Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we uh moved our our cows around upstairs because we have cow pictures yeah the tale as old as time the love story that is never to be yeah uh phyllis got sick of their shit so we moved her into our bedroom and we got steve so steve and jeff are now staring each other down trying to win phyllis over to get her back phyllis is just in your room watching you two bang yeah she's freak (laughs) phyllis is a freak No, okay, well, we gotta fucking start so I can tell you this. Yes. Uh, uh, this is, I'm sorry, what the podcast is. Wait, hold on, episode. stop. Oh, no, okay. I, 136, 137, 138. Okay. Go. Yo, what am I rapping? I'm holding the microphone and now I'm... It's it's just because we said RIP that pussy yes. A right before you, right before you started. Now I'm fucking... DJ uh episode one <laughs> thank you episode 138 of i'm sorry what the podcast i'm christina that lovely little gremlin trash panda over there is amanda i'm totally I'm, gonna lean into trash panda it's nice thing. just accept it it's yeah. cool i'm so i'm very impressed that you still have your wedding nails on uh yeah and they're not broken at all and they're yeah. like secure I'll fucking pop mine off like four days after your wedding <laughs> no dude they like won't she, go anywhere she they, did a good job yeah she got them they're growing out though so i either have to get them filled or go get them off here at some point got them but check it out see leaning into my trash panda ways dead inside nice i have i'm all crunched up in trevor here but i have a sanderson witch museum home of the black flame candle t-shirt on okay so we need to um like figure out doing like a trip a road trip from your house to some of these fun places p.s like mm-hmm. on the east coast and stuff i know i want to go to salem really bad and i'm not even opposed to like going on an off season not spooky season because all your own spooky for me mm-hmm. so we should um maybe try to figure that out for like next summer or something but i feel like fall in massachusetts is like beautiful oh i'm sure it's beautiful but it's also fucking busy and i hate people and i I don't feel like going to jail you're right i do hate people (laughs) i don't want to go to jail but but i will will. that was our motto when we would go out Mm -hmm. just so you guys know that was was i talking to that i just announced that too that was our I don't want to go to jail, but I will. <laughs> That's right, our, like our attitude. <laughs> I'm not opposed to it if I have to. Step to me. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I got a new oh, chair, everybody. Sorry. I got a new chair. Is that, that's your news. My that's news. My news. That's my news. I got a new chair. His name's Trevor. And it's the biggest chair I've ever sat in in my entire life. That's it's cool, like, man. It's so com- <laughs> It's so comfy, man. Listen, this is an important event in my life, man. I love it. It's so comfy. Be jealous. <laughs> I am jealous. I'm sitting in my fart chair. Now I yeah. won't do it because I'm trying to make it do it. Sitting in a farty chair. Farty, farty. What's oh, up? Farty? What? What's up? This is the third week of October. Oh, yeah. Which would be what Wednesday? What? I believe it's the Wednesday I have my surgery. And the 19th? hallelujah yes the 19th i uh when you guys are listening to this i'm probably unconscious in an operating room having a doctor poke at my face it's true keep that in mind this whole episode (laughs) this will be my first week back from doing overnights and i am gonna be so relieved bed is gonna be tie tie mm-hmm. but I did switch my day of my last day for my normal day job uh to the first week so I have that second week and I'll just have the days open so that I don't have to like overwork myself and then be sick for two weeks after my overnights <laughs> nice so that'll be nice it will be nice so then <gasps> my brother keeps sending me gifts on messenger he sends me like 19 a day and then he'll go like am i bothering you and i'm like nope they're all funny i'll just give you one lol at the end of the day right nope they're good i'm just I not just gonna, don't have time for that i'm just not going to respond to every single <laughs> gift you send me because there are quite a few <laughs> so you just get an lol at the end of the day <laughs> um that's like you and me with our tiktoks, TikToks we'll send yeah. each other send each other send each other and then one will have a response to and it's like yeah, I watch all of them and they're funny, but I also don't respond to every single one because it's a lot. Funny. It's, it's a lot. lot. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Should I'm we jabbering Miss Migraine? Should we start this shit? Yeah, you tell me a spooky story. Well, you see, when we texted last night, I had a whole other story planned. Uh huh. But I was bored with it. Oh, it wasn't that interesting as I thought it was going to be. I was going to do the Hoyo Bachu, whatever it is, florist in Romania. Yeah. And it's like creepy, but it's not like tell it on a podcast creepy. Like, it, there just wasn't enough to it to make it. Like, right. No, like I was expecting because there's a Ghost Adventures that goes there, fucking mm-hmm. Baggins goes there. And I was like, there's probably a lot more creepy stuff, blah, blah, blah. No, like everything they talk about, that's the only thing that you can find in articles. And I'm like, cool. So I'm just retelling a Ghost Adventures episode. Great. Great. (laughs) So then I did. Have you ever heard of Flight 19? Yes and no. Like I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. So it's basically the start of what is like the Bermuda Triangle lore. It's what kind of put the Bermuda Triangle on Z-Map. Okay. Kind of. 
Intriguing. So it was flight 19 was the designation of a group of five U.S. torpedo bombers that disappeared over the Bermuda Triangle in 1945. Okay. After losing contact during a United States Navy, like overwater navigation. So they were basically running um, bombing trainers trainings. Okay. And they were dropping like um, fake bombs or like practice bombs over um, a group of islands out in the Bahamas that are uninhabited. So they were just running like training missions all day. So there were 18 before it because they were flight 19. So there were 18 that had run it the whole day and everything was going smoothly. And then flight 19 ran. So um, at 2 p.m. on December 5th, 1945, five TBM Avenger torpedo bombers took off from a naval air station in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, They were scheduled to basically do a three-hour exercise known as Navigation Problem 1. And it was basically a triangular flight plan, and it called for them to head east from Florida, the Florida coast, and conduct bombing runs on a group of islands called Hens and Chicken Shoals. Okay. Like a group of abandoned islands, basically. Um, then they would turn north and proceed over the Grand Bahama Island before proceeding, uh, before like changing course a third time and coming back to um, Fort Lauderdale. And so okay. it was like, it's basically when you look at their flight plan, it was like a triangle that they were supposed to fly or like a obtuse kind of triangle. Right. Sort of thing. So, um, sorry, I went. I know a lot about this, so I lost my brain my, turned off. My brain turned off. <laughs> so then they would fly southwest back to Fort Lauderdale. Um, all of the planes, except for one plane, there's one plane that carried two people. Um, otherwise, there were three men in, in each of the bombers. Um, most of whom had logged around about three hundred in the three hundred hours in the air, so they were a little bit newer, but relatively experienced right and they were led by flight leader lieutenant charles c taylor who was an experienced pilot and a veteran of some of several combat missions in world war ii okay so radio conversations between the pilots were overheard by base and other aircraft in the area the practice bombing operation is known to have been carried out like without a hitch basically so they made it to the hens and chicken shoals because they okay the last like one of the last communications um at about three o'clock a pilot requested and was given permission to drop the last bomb so 40 minutes later another flight instructor lieutenant robert c fox was forming up with his own group of students for the same mission and he received an unidentified transmission so they didn't know who was reaching out to them okay and it was an unidentified crew member at who asked one of the students, they like registered one of the students, like they got in there. I don't uh-huh. know. Um, headset and it said, I don't know where we are. We must have gotten lost after that last turn. Like that's the transmission they picked up. So okay. then Robert Cox transmitted this is FT74, which is his plane name. Um And then he said, please identify yourself so someone can help you. The response after a few moments was a request from the others in the flight for suggestions. So Taylor said, 
Um, this is FT28. Uh, both of my compasses are out and I'm trying to find Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm overland, but it's broken. I'm sure I'm in the Keys, but I don't know how far down I am and I don't know how to get to Fort Lauderdale. That's unfortunate. Okay. So based on that transmission, his compasses, and each of those planes had two compasses in them. Right. And all of their compasses went out. Right. All their compasses went cattywampus. So... And Taylor's claim didn't really make sense because if he made his scheduled pass over hens and chicken shoals, which they know they did because they requested a drop mm -hmm. um, bombs, they wouldn't, they couldn't be at the keys less than an hour earlier, later. Right. Um, so they, it basically him saying that I believe I'm over the keys means that his planes had somehow drifted over a hundred miles off course. Yeah. So they're not, I mean, they could have made that in an hour, but they still weren't sure, like, how they got so far off course. Right. Um, now, Taylor had just transferred to Fort Lauderdale from Miami. Um, so they he may have confused some of the islands of the Bahamas for the Florida Keys. Okay. Um, so under normal circumstances, pilots lost in the Atlantic were supposed to point their planes towards the setting sun and fly west toward the mainland. Uh, but Taylor had become kind of convinced that he was near like Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so hoping to locate the Florida Peninsula, he sent, he steered flight 19 Northeast, which would have sent them further out to sea if they were in the Bahamas. Actually, right. Right. So another transmission came through of one of the other pilots that says, damn it, if we would have just, if we would just fly west, we would get home. Uh, but because he, there was only like Taylor was the leader. So they all had to kind of like follow him. Right. Then the troubles only mounted because a storm front blew in uh, and it brought very heavy rain, gusting winds and heavy cloud cover. So then they lost the sun. Okay. Um, so then at that point, Flight 19, they believe, was just hopelessly disoriented. They yeah, no idea there was. It it's like when you get um, too deep into water and you can't tell which way is up when you get disoriented. Right. Well, and that and there is also a thing um, that pilots can get disoriented and they can't tell what's the sky and what's ground. Yeah. Um. So Taylor was eventually, they, they know in one transmission that they turned west and started heading west uh, about shortly after 6 p.m. But then after about 20 minutes, he canceled that and changed direction. He said, we didn't go far enough east. I'm still worried that we will, were over the Gulf. We may as well just turn around and go east again. So they believe at this point that the, he went east. Okay. Um. Burning flight, a lot of fuel. Right. So Flight 19's radio transmission like became increasingly faint as it got further and further out to sea. Uh, when fuel began to run low, they Taylor was heard prepping his men for a potential crash landing in the ocean. He said, all planes close up tight. We'll have to ditch unless landfall. When the first plane drops below 10 gallons, we all go down together. A few minutes later, the last radio commission's were basically just replaced with an eerie buzz so it was just static uh. um 
So the Navy immediately scrambled search planes to hunt for the missing patrol around 7.30 p.m. Um, a group of PBM Mariner flying boats, so these are like huge planes, but they okay. also can like land in water, um, took off from an air station north of Fort Lauderdale. Just 20 minutes later, however, one of them seemed to follow Flight 19 and also vanished off radar. So the Ugh. remains... The remains of the Mariner and its 13 crewmen were also never recovered. Um, but it's believed that the seaplane may have had some type of engine trouble and exploded shortly after takeoff. Okay. So flying, they, flying boats were actually notoriously accident-prone and were even nicknamed flying gas tanks. So they oh, were not... Good. They were not... They, they had a just... propensity of catching fire. They just tend to implode. <laughs> yes. Um, so, a, and a passing merchant ship sp- said that they spotted a fireball and found evidence of an oil slick in the ocean. So they believe that that plane just blew up. Okay. Which, so, according to that, makes sense, I guess, the evidence. Right. So at first light the next day, the Navy dispatched more than 300 boats and aircraft to look for Flight 19 and the missing Mariner. The search party sent five day, spent five days combing through more than 300,000 square miles of territory, and they did not locate anything. Uh, they just vanished, basically. We had hundreds of planes out looking, so Navy Lieutenant David White stated that we had hundreds of planes out looking, and we searched over land and water <coughs> all day. Nobody ever found the bodies or any debris. Uh, so then a Navy board investigation... Um, like went over the accident basically and that it argued that taylor might have confused the bahamas for the florida keys after his compasses malfunctioned but it could find no clear explanation for why flight 19 had become so disoriented um so they basically attributed it to causes or reasons unknown okay and it was also because there were five planes and all of them their compasses malfunctioned Right. It wasn't just like a happenstance for one right. that happened to. Each plane had two compasses in it. Right. So Yeah, that's weird. So a five hundred page Navy board investigation report published a few months later made several observations basically. So flight leader Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor had mistakenly believed that the small islands he passed over were the Florida Keys, that his flight was over the Gulf of Mexico and had, was heading northeast would take them to Florida. It was determined that Taylor had passed over the Bahamas as scheduled, and he did, in fact, lead his flight to the northeast over the Atlantic. The report noted that some subordinate officers did likely know their approximate position, as indicated like by some of the radio transmissions, where they said that we needed to go west. Okay. Um, but Taylor was not at fault because the compasses stopped working, um, and then the loss of the Mariner was attributed to an explosion. Um. So they basically amended the report to cause unknown because Taylor's mother contended that the Navy was unfairly blaming her son for the loss of five aircraft and 14 men um, when the Navy had neither the bodies nor the airplanes as evidence. Right. They're like, she's like, um, clearly something is weird. So basically, and now I have just like kind of what they think happened. Okay. So, had Flight 19 actually been where Taylor believed it to be, the flight would have made landfall with the Florida coastline within 20 minutes. 
depending on how far down the Gulf Coast they were. Okay. However, a later reconstruction of the incident showed that the islands visible to Taylor were probably the Bahamas, well northeast of the Keys, and that Flight 19 was exactly where it should have been. The Board of Investigation found that because of this belief he was on a base course toward Florida, Taylor actually guided the flight further out to sea. Right. So, um, also combined with bad weather and the ditching characteristics of the Avenger, which was known to, like, if you ditched it in the water, it sank within, like, three minutes. Like, it was very... Oh, it wasn't a buoyant thing at all. Right. Um, so meant that there was like little hope of rescue, even if they right. had managed to just like stay afloat or get out of the plane. Um, it Ugh. is possible that Taylor overshot Gorda K where they were supposed to like turn okay. and reached another landmass in the Southern like Abaco islands. Um, he then proceeded Northwest as planned and expected to find the Grand Baha- Bahama Island, but he saw landmass to his right side and which was the Abaco islands and thought he was in the Gulf. So like, it's possible that he overshot his turn and landed over other. Which makes a little more sense than being as far off course as he, and they thought maybe he was, you know what I mean? And so that would have um, set a course to what, so he was like, okay, here's where we're at. We need to go Southwest to get to Fort Lauderdale, which is what they should have turned, but that would have changed his course to open ocean as well because right. they overshot where they were supposed to turn. Right. If he had um, misconstrued his turning spot. Right. So okay. basically after trying for a while with no land in sight, Taylor decided it was impossible for them to fly so far West and not reach Florida he believed that he had been near the Key West Islands, and then basically the course that he set brought them further out into the ocean, and they ran out of fuel and crashed and died. Right. So uh. the strange events of December 5th, 1945 has since become basically they have wild theories and speculation, and in the 60s and 70s, there was a pulp magazine Um, that helped popularize the idea that Flight 19 had been gobbled up by the Bermuda Triangle. Gobbled, I like the wording. Gobbled up. So that's kind of where, and then as they started to like kind of fictionalize and theorize and all this stuff, they found other planes that, and ships and things like that, and kind of brought together the mythos of... So that's like where the lore began. They're like, ooh, let's look at this. This is a weird space. Yes. Okay. I have. Yep, definitely have heard of it, but like didn't know how weird it was. You know what I mean? Um, But I mean, I guess it makes sense that last theory you talked about where like maybe he thought he was somewhere and then they directed him as if he was there. Right. And then he turned in it instead of reaching where he was supposed to, it went into open ocean. Yeah. So it makes sense, but it's, I mean, it's, it sucks no matter what it is. It's well, and it's, cre- it's weird, weird because like all of the planes compasses malfunctioned. <clears throat> right. And then they got so, super disoriented, didn't know which way what, they were going either. What caused all of those planes to malfunction, especially when there had been 18 flights the day before or that yeah. that morning? I wonder 
if there's some sort of like magnetic during that specific in, time in that area and it's like it's like you know I don't know I know nothing I'm not a, a biologist a it's geologist a weird, that's what it would be it's a weird little area. yeah I don't I mean I don't ever plan to go there yeah it sounds you terrible. know just because you know what if I'd what rather if, not. it just sounds like a good place to avoid dude <laughs> I gotta poop all of a sudden I'm sorry it's okay my coffee's hitting me too so okay see you a little bit pause <laughs> All right, are we all right? Ready to tell me a weird story? I am, but I am going to give you another pick your own adventure. Pick your own adventure, my favorite. Uh, you can choose Inuit or Indonesian. Let's do Inuit. Inuit, all right. So I have looked into a couple cryptids that I had never heard of. So they're eh, creepy might be a strong word, but they're fucking weird. Okay. I'm I'm all for it. This is a legend of Indian and by Indian, I mean Inuit lore. Um, I say, Hey, look at, Thank you. You know who can't see that? The people listening. Hey, look at look at what? What am I looking at? Uh, so I'm going to tell you the legend of the Iraq, um, and the plural is irate. So I will say Iraq, irate throughout, and it's the same thing. Iraq. Um, it's like A J I R A Q is Iraq. And the J is silent. I've looked it up multiple No, times. no, I'm not questioning it. It's just a weird name. And then Irate is A-I-J-I-R-A-I-T. Uh, so this is a shapeshifter in Inuit lore. Mm. Usually taking form of a part caribou, part human. Uh, their eyes and mouth are s- vertical. Mm. So the slits of their eyes go up and down creepy as hell if you look it up kind of looks like a vagina face i'm gonna be honest with you yeah but it's weird uh and their mouth sits vertical too so it's just a lot of weird like you know hold on not that anybody else could see yeah i don't like that stop it no no ma'am uh their eyes are red no matter what form they take and that's how you can tell that it is an erect okay uh, there are basically, so what they are are interdimensional beings in lore. Uh, they live, quote unquote, between two worlds, between the world of the dead and the world of the living. Uh, uh, wait, they only wait. So they're part caribou, part human. Mm-hmm. Which part is caribou and which part is human? They have caribou elongated face <coughs> and have antlers. From what I've seen. But they're and like a human body? Similar. So they're like upright walking caribou is kind of what it looks like. That's terrifying. Yeah. Okay, one second. Um, but again, it's just all, I mean, it's all in how you. One Sorry. 
it's all in how you imagine it. So, I mean, from the illustrations that I've seen, that's how they imagine it. I and hate it's it. a shapeshifter. So I hate anything that is like humanoid. I know, me too. It creeps me out. I don't so, like it. Uh, the Inuit believe that the irate were people at one point that hunted too far north. Like, so it's one of those, you know, warnings of going too far north. Cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somehow got stuck in between the world of the living and the dead. Mm. Another possible origin was, okay, so this is a long one. Uh, there once was a woman who didn't want to have a husband. She didn't want to get married. Her father hated this, got pissed. Mm -hmm. And so he said that, fine, then you are marrying your pet dog, basically. <laughs> then you get to just have your dog. You don't get to have anything else. And he sent her alone with her dog to her own island. Listen, so far, <laughs> sounds wonderful. <laughs> So the dog and her are on this island and the dog meets up with her father every once in a while to get more food rations, okay? Uh, at some point, she gives birth to nine puppies, so there's more than just friendship oh. happening in this dog. Oh. Yeah. Hey. Bestiality. Hey. <laughs> you went too far. <laughs> uh, with nine more mouths to feed... The dog needed more food, obviously, but they didn't want to say to the father that they had puppies because that was not part of the living situation that he was planning. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't what? want to. I didn't want to tell my dad I had nine puppies because then I had to tell him that I fucked the dog. What? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Fuck. Um. So when the father came to the island to see why they were needing so much food, and he found the puppies, he was. <laughs> concerned and unhappy <laughs> as uh, as one would be <laughs> exactly flash forward when the dog meets up with the father again for food rather than giving him food he packs his because the dog would pack like a basically it was like a pack mule type of situation where he would put mm -hmm. the food into these pockets on the dog right okay so rather than putting food in the pockets the dad put rocks in the <sighs> pockets of the dog and so and when then the dog threw him in the water well, when the dog went to walk across the ice in the water, it was too heavy and it broke. The dog fell through and drowned and died. Uh, Sue. So... Oh, so this was like an ice island. This wasn't like a. Yes. Oh. So this they is went. Just a not fun story all around. That it's weird and sad, like just odd. Like I said, it's not necessarily spooky, but it's just weird. <laughs> uh, so. This left the puppies to fend for themselves and for their mother, right? For whatever reason, in the lore, it says that these puppies turned into three different things. Three turned into um, irate. I'm just going to say it because mm -hmm. it's plural. Um, three turned into just normal Inuit people. Um, and then three turned into white people and <laughs> were sent away to get bigger ships so that they could get more food. I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, no me. disrespect to your to the legend, right? It's but just, it's, this is—it feels like a fever dream. It feels like yeah. a dream I would have, and it's like I don't really know what happened, but somehow they turned into these three different things. Because that's what happens in my dreams. Uh, so these are right became 
can become a invisible and only shamans can see them in this lore okay okay in this story uh there is also a legend that sometimes human spirits can become irate so there's just kind of it's just a known entity and every uh inuit like village has their own little lore to it Mm -hmm. the irate take children this is what they're one of their things they do hide them in the wilderness and leave them there for dead uh they will also confuse hunters and travelers so that they get lost and the thought is that they do this to keep them out of their like plane where they're like between life and death oh they're like too close to crossing over into the portal or something exactly um there are ancient tales passed down saying that uh when the creature would come the people would throw seal skins up in the air to scare them away because they would believe they were throwing boulders at them because from far away it looked like they were just gray masses and this made the irate think that the humans were super strong and they were like no no not fucking with you see you later and then they leave uh many sitting happened that makes no sense many sightings that's what it would be I was like, why does it say sitting? Autocorrect. Love it. Love it. Um, Many sightings happen in Canada where caribou hunting happens, like in big caribou hunting areas. Weird. Okay. Considering they're caribou and humans. Yeah. Um, And it's called Freeman's Cove. Okay. Elders tend to avoid anyone from Freeman's Cove thinking that they could be in a rate. Um. So or like in Iraq, you, excuse me. So if you live there, people are like shun you. Ew. Yeah, I don't like that either. Um, one story is that there was a couple hunting. Uh, they both were skilled navigators, and when they were out hunting, they suddenly got like disoriented and couldn't find their way back to their camp, even though it was like clearly in sight. They just were they ended up having to just follow the trail ahead of them, like they couldn't see past. Mm-hmm. where the trail was that um, creep, there that also creeps me out is stories of like where they get disoriented and then it's mm-hmm. like they were like a mile from camp or like 500 right. feet from their camp and couldn't find it like and why couldn't just, you find it not yeah well and that's like what was preventing the, you missing 411 cases freak me out because of stuff like that where it's like they were there turned a corner and they were gone i don't know what happened right um, so once they returned to their camp, though, where their kids were, okay, there was a polar bear circling the camp. So he was looking for finding something, some sort of food. Um, they felt that this was an Iraq. That um, it was a confi- polar bear? Yeah, because it's a shapeshifter, remember? Oh. Its main shape is that caribou person. But oh. any shape it takes, it has red eyes. <laughs> <laughs> So they thought that this was in Iraq because of how confused they got and how hard it was for them to find their way back to the camp. And then there was this wild animal there. Was it a real polar bear? Did it eat them? No. But (laughs) uh, kids are told that the irate will uh, irate to keep them out of danger, obviously. Like we said, it was kind of a tale of don't go in, don't go into the wilderness, kids, because you could get confused. Boogeyman kind of thing. Exactly. Well, and that's kind of how I found this because I looked up uh, different worldwide boogeymen, mm. and that's kind of what they 
um, boogeymen from different cultures. Exactly. Uh, there are a few Inuit lore creatures that I'd like to read more about because after reading this, then I was like, ooh, what's this guy? Ooh, what's this guy? Uh, like the, hold on to your tights because I'm going to try my best. Qualupiut. It's like Q-U-A-L-U-P-I-L-L-U-I-T. <laughs> There's so many letters. Qualupiut. Okay. Um, but it's a green-skinned, long-nailed, human-like creature who lives in the Arctic Ocean, smells like sulfur, grabs kids from the shore, and takes them, like, down under the water, and either, they say, eats them, or keeps them, and it seems to be kids that are, like, naughty. So, so they like weren't mermaids. listening. I know. Or sirens. Um, so it, it's just, it's weird. So we take, they take naughty kids and then there's like the Terasuk, which is shadow people in Inuit lore. Yeah. I know about them. That's Freak, creepy. That freaks me out. Shadow mm-hmm. people just in general. So I just, I don't like it. those things I find very interesting. The weirdest part about the, um, Terasuk though, is that it's not necessarily a shadow being. It's all you can see is their shadow. So it's like, it's emanating a shadow not a shadow being Mm-mm. does that make sense no i don't or, like it it's stop yeah. it so that is the story of the iraq and the lore behind it um i'm sure there's more but man i was like it kind of freaks me out i don't like it because i don't like humanoid things i don't like anything humanoid it creeps me out like uh, even when you're at the zoo and you see the monkeys like standing up and walking or doing like human-like things i'm like stop it mm-hmm. Have you seen that TikTok with that dog that walks on two legs because it only has three legs? Yes. Have you seen? Like I kicked that Annabelle dog. Oh, oh got three so legs. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Yes, I love that. <laughs> I would kick that Annabelle doll so hard. Oh, it's only got three legs. <laughs> oh, sorry, little buddy. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, a spooky season episode in the books. Number thrice. The, number thrice. Mm-hmm. Good. That's what I went with. (laughs) Number thrice. How's your noodle, kid? It hurts. I'm sorry. It hurts real bad. All right, guys. Well, power through, man. Yeah, spread the word. Spread yourself all over town. Oh, all over town. You, (laughs) you. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye.